Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast. You're with Wazza and Dan. How you going, mate? Not bad, mate. Another week, another Eagles win. So yeah, seven wins on the trot, mate. It's pretty good. That's it. That's in. Uh, just quietly, mate. You know, we both had our times where we've been like, let's keep the lid on it. You know, Adam Simpson said, let's keep the lid on it. I can't help but say I think the lid's slowly coming off for me and I don't like that feeling personally because I like being the underdog, but how can we not start to lift this lid very soon? Well, I'll put that on um, our Facebook page, so if you haven't joined that, it's the Next Generation Discussion page um, and we've got a podcast page which is separate where we upload straight away. Um, I said that last week and I was getting bashed, you know, yeah. oh, you know, this, and then Simo comes out, keep a lid on it, everyone's going, yeah, let's keep a lid on it. But guess what? That lid's slightly opening. Yeah, it's, it's it's a coming ajar, mate. But uh, I, I agree with you because it's coming from a positive place. It's it's a way of us acknowledging we are doing so well. We are playing great footy, but we are a young side, you know. So it comes and I think I brought up rounds. Was it three against the Suns? It was one of the very early rounds, and we haven't dropped the game since. So now I'm I'm trying to control myself. Yeah, and me loads too. Of supporters, <laughs> and I'm even gone so far. If you look on the page, and in these couple of weeks, if we keep winning, don't worry about a lid. Look for a buffs. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You know what I'm talking about, Dan? Yeah, uh, the admin team. It's an in-house joke, but you'll see if we keep winning. <laughs> Before we get into the footy, we get some uh, formalities out the way. Uh, TNG Go Footy Tipping, which is done with the Go Footy Podcast Boys. Um, we share the thing on our pages. Nick Nat Hearn, he's finally been knocked off his perch by Shell88. And so Shell's from uh, West Coast Eagles for Life, for those who don't know. So she's sitting on top, but only by percentage, a bit like Richmond and West Coast. So it could be the battle of the admins. This week, just yeah. not the Battle of Richmond and West Coast. From behind. West Coast Eagles for Life versus the TNG. The funny thing is, I uh, I wanted a break from tipping this year. I'm very involved in footy, but I've done tipping ever since I can remember, and I'm shocking at it because I always tip with my heart, and I always tip the Eagles. I remember years and years ago, I didn't do it once, and we won. So ever since then, I was like, nah, Eagles every round. So for the first year to pull out of tipping... I think I've picked the wrong one, so I think I would have got a couple of, you know, where we're the underdogs, I might have got that tip right. Like. Yeah, no, I, I tip with my head, and no, I went against West Coast, as I said on the podcast, but only way I went win, for it. only way you can win was there is yep. tipping against and your team when you truly believe that. I'm still second, so we'll see how it goes. But Drew Darby, he won the round again. I think he won a couple of weeks ago, and he got nine out of nine. So Well, well done. I don't know if he's got some system going or he just jagged it. Um, Ricky Risebury, I don't know if you saw on the page, he's got a good system going, so he's only got 12 wrong for the year, so, but he's not on our tipping comp, so that's all right, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just want a brief call out to other podcasts from the Eagles fans and that around, you've got Go Footy with uh, Chad and Ollie, they did theirs last night with Sam Butler, I tuned in, it was a good listen, so if you can spare a bit of time, have a listen to that, because Sam gives you different insight on things. Um, Taste of Coast, that's the boys from 91.3 FM, so they do a little bit of a podcast. And some new boys on the block, which is Doggo, Arbel and Robbo from the Winging It 
podcasts. They are on Facebook, so give them a look. And I like promoting things that are Eagles. I'm not one of these guys that won't promote things because I think we're all Eagles fans. So the more people out there to hear it, good on you. And you know, get on board. Um, you're going to find them anyway, so that's the way I roll. Yeah, same. Might not, mention that a bit later on the show, actually. Yeah, we, we won't mention people by name, but there is a couple of people that don't like um, promoting Eagles stuff, even though they're Eagles fans. So let's get to the footy anyway. The medical room, we always come up with first. One of your little faves, a little Hamish. It's only two weeks away, mate, so from Waffle. That, that's really great because uh, with Shuey and Sheed out, you know, it was a perfect opportunity for Ainsworth to get a game. And you just think two weeks away, Brayshaw, you know, if he was fit and firing, there was an opportunity for them, him to have got a game, you know. So it's great to see. It just adds further to that depth. Shuey's still two weeks away. Uh, Venables is six to eight. Liam Ryan's, well, it depends on who you believe. If you believe the Eagles or you believe outside sources, he's only a few games away. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him straight after the bye. Um, Vardy, he could play for the Royals this week. And McKenzie, he's a indefinite still. So, yeah, when we get some news on uh, Big Easy, we'll bring it to you. Um, and then the other boys that are a test are Jeddah, Sheed and McGovern, but we'll talk about them in the revolving door. Yeah, I'll leave that. Um, just that Liam Ryan thing, did you see pictures of the Eagles training today? It was just funny seeing him out on the track. I didn't see him do any running, but he's out there with the boys at training. What I did see was him at the game eating a meat pie. <laughs> no, that was interesting. <laughs> Maybe you need let's to get be a honest, bit of you can't go to the footy and not eat a meat pie. So. <laughs> they probably had the officials going, quick, Liam, put that yeah. down. Come, put that down. At least he hid the beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the uh, final siren. Um Eagles went over east and went against Greater Western Sydney. Both teams had quite a few players out from each side, but the Eagles come away with a win, 12-14-86 to 8-13-61. And, um, well, what can we say about it? Um, one of, That was a good win. It was a bit scrappy. Um, the... What do you call it? The attendance was pretty low, 9,253, but you'll probably talk about that later on. Yep. Um, there was a few injuries in the side. DeBoer did a hamstring, and Davis, yep. he's out with concussion. He's not playing this week. Um, Whitfield hurt his shin, and that's about it. There wasn't really much on the Eagles side. There. Uh, yeah, I have a bit to say about this game. Um, as a spectator... It wasn't a very attractive game to watch. It was enjoyable being an Eagles win and going over there and getting an away win, but I just thought it was just so well coached. What Simpson did is, and it was similar to what Carlton tried to do to us early in the year, is where you we didn't flood back and forward. We flooded the contest. We made sure that GWS could not get the easy ball out of that contest and then get it to a loose so they could run. We took effectively took away their running game style and it just suited us to a T. And it was one of the very few games you see in football where we won every quarter. You don't see that very often in teams. So I just think that win was just down 
basically, I'll put it down to Simpsons coaching. He went in with a game plan and it worked. And as I said, not all games are going to be flashy and fancy games. No. And this one wasn't. It was good for a watch because it was an Eagles win. There were highlights like Darling highlight. We'll probably speak about him more. So there were highlights within the game, but as an overall, it wasn't the greatest game. But you touched on the crowd numbers. Now, I don't know if people will remember, but one of mine, we called it a cook at the time, but it was an under-the-pump segment. We mentioned the grand final and how we're constantly told the grand final's at the MCG because of bums in seats. And I made the comment, if bums in seats matter to the AFL so much, and that's why they've sold the integrity of the game out, is for that factor of bums in seats then why would Eagles, who are averaging over 50,000 supporters at each home game, played GWS for just slightly over 9,000? That's not a lot of bums and seats. That's a pathetic number. If you're going to say something and make a statement on the grand final being at MCG because of a numbers factor, then that goes you know, season-wide. So either you're lying to us or you need to rectify this because this is the second time this year we've travelled to a mediocre crowd. Yep, and we seem to be the only teams. There's always interstate teams that are doing it. So, yeah, but like I said, I've had my say on that, the glorified VFL, and it will be for a a while yet. Yeah, let's get into some of the parts of the games. Before we do that, we do the TNG Eagle of the Year. Um, on our page, we get everyone to vote, or the members vote, and Darling got three, Redden two, and Shepherd one, and Darling is now the new leader with eight over Hearn, and Redden's having a great year, and it was interesting to hear that Simo said, if you took, um, from round 16 last year to now, Redden would be winning the Ferris and Best for the Eagles. Well, I wanted to talk about this a little bit later, but I'll just I'll jump right in because that's almost a segue with Redden. And I haven't told you this, Warren, but I'll just, I'm wondering if you agree, so I want to catch you up. Right now, I'm going to go on a limb and say Redden is our best midfielder. Now, I'm not judging this on one game. His last three, he's averaging over 30 disposals and averaging a goal game. And that's just in the last three. And before that, he still had quite solid form. He was, a lot of time, a run-with player. Um, and with him, he likes to kick. 20 of his 29 disposals last game were actually, in fact, kicks. So his metre gain is quite large. And I think GWS actually... Like realise this because he was the player they targeted. They didn't target Gaff, and up until half time, he only had five disposals. But see, he's a work engine, and uh, I think Simpsons said during his pre-season he was the fittest, the one that pushed himself the most, which really showed in this game. Because when the game, the further the game went on, they couldn't keep up with him. I think he had something like thirteen in the third quarter, ended with twenty-nine. He is just he right now. He is our best midfielder in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I agree totally. And, like, if he didn't have a quiet second quarter in that Giants game, I would have given him best on ground. He had he didn't really touch the ball. But, um, yeah, look, and he's a reason why we've turned things around. People are sitting there going, oh, what are we going to do when Mitchell's gone and Prittis is gone? And I think I said last year, and I think it was even on the Nest when we did our Nest show earlier on this year, I said that it's time for Redden to stand up. And he has, and he's shown everyone the ability he's always had because he was highly rated from Brisbane. Um, 
And he's playing that role where he is the in and under, getting in number one midfielder. And he's doing it great. And he's allowing people like Yo, Gaff, and all that to run off. So, yeah. But see, the thing I love about it is beginning of the year, I was with you. I was like, watch Redden. He's one that's going to step up. What he's done has amazed me. Um, beginning of the year, if you said, pick your three best midfielders from that comp, it would not have been Redden. No disrespect to Redden. You'd have Shuey, you'd have Gaff, you'd have Yo, and then you can make cases for Sheed stepping up, Duggan getting more time in there. Jeddah was used back, but we wouldn't know that preseason, so you could have thrown his name into the ring, you know. Um, so, yeah, what he's done, and he just... He's blown my mind away. I expected big things from him. I expected a big improvement from him. I did not expect what he's performing, especially in the last three weeks. Another player that's very similar to Redden, but doesn't get enough kudos, and he gets knocked by a lot, he's usually a whipping boy for some, is Mark Hutchings. Now, he yep. quietly goes about his business every every game he plays, and he sits there and runs, and he notches up 21, 22 disposals. Very similar to Redden. It's sort of like Redden was number two to Prittis, Yep. When he was playing, now that he's number one and Hutchie's gone from number three to number two, he's as a backup because he's a very similar player. And with those two teams in the team, I'm very confident that we can win more games than most. Everyone sits here looking for the first midfielders like Yo and all that, but you yep. need these guys in and under to get the ball to get them out to them. The, the X factor, the flair, and I have this debate a lot of the times because I forget what the movie was called. It was Moneyball and it was based on a true story. It was about baseball and everyone picks these flair players, players with flair, players that can do these great things where they mathematically worked out that no, the saying was they need to get on base. That's what they had to do. They had to do their role, get on base and you'll win games. Now they took using this formula, a bottom team and they made effectively our version of the grand final um they ended up losing grand final but they made it that far and that was the philosophy get on base and i liked it too the debate that's constantly had between lance franklin and josh kennedy now one's got flair one's got this x factor one's this exciting player to watch josh kennedy for the last three years has averaged more goals a game yep so he gets on base yep so when the question's asked which forward would you prefer Everyone's going to pick, and you, you do a poll on AFL sites. Uh, people will pick the flair one, the one that's exciting. Oh, of course they will. But you, realistically, it's a forward you should be picking gets on base. It's like Dustin Martin. kicking ball, kicking goals, sorry, and that's Kennedy. Um, so I like that to a lot of these things. People will pick the fancy player, the ones that do this. Now, I find that's where Gaff falls under the radar a little bit too because he consistently gets these balls and that. But as you said, Dustin does it fancily. So he gets more plaudits, so to speak. Yep. And I think that's just a funny side note to that comment. It's funny how you said Moneyball because it's one of my favourite movies. and Brilliant movie, actually. And if you haven't seen it, watch it, people. I'm always of this, me playing football, if I was a coach, this would be my message. Yep. Know your role, perform your role, respect your role. And that's and exactly that's what the and movie's exa- about, isn't it? Like, that's exactly what it is. I never... Probably went to that man trip because I was one of those flary players. I was yep. more of a, but that was myself. I just thought, you know, yes. that's the way I play. Some players are good like that, but I wasn't a big number player. But when I did play at amateur level, I did my job. I, so I did my role. I don't think it had that movie had much effect on me with stats, 
but everyone knows me. I love my stats. Well, that's why and, I watched it because I'm a stats man. That's exactly right, mm. and it just goes to show money. Uh, stats don't show the whole story, no. but they show you the story and a blueprint. Stats can be manipulated any way you like. Yes, they can, um, but they do give you a story, people. They're not misleading. It's just how you want to perceive them, so to speak. That's why I look at. I don't just look at disposals. I look at disposals efficiency. See, to me, I've got to have both. Well, like people that, that tells a true story. It's like people. We're getting off topic here, but like on the weekend, people had to go at a couple of our backmen for not doing their job. Well, they did do their job. They don't get big numbers, but they're there to do a job, and they did their role. And if you knew their role, you wouldn't be sitting there going. They had crappy games. Dare I say they got on base? <laughs> they that's played it. their role. They did what they needed to do, and that's all you got to um, do. And things like that to change reaction. Because are, are we talking about Scoey? Should we go there? Oh, I'm talking about Scoey, Coley. See, Scoey, Coley was the same. He had very low numbers. Jeremy Cameron didn't kick goals on Scoey. Uh, there was one, he might have got one, but one Shepherd fellow, which was unlucky on Shepherd and Shepherd, I'm not having a shot yeah. at him. He won him. But then it's a chain reaction. By him going 100% defensive like he did, it allowed Barras and around circles and not even just eagle circles a lot of over east programs mentioned it that that's the best game they've ever seen Barras play and they were saying things like is it bad having Govind <laughs> almost because Barras played so well which yeah. is a ridiculous statement because we want Gov back obviously but that's it's a chain reaction one player plays his role frees up the next player to play his role um, so yeah, he did good. Um, it was amazing to hear. We got sim- way off topic here because yeah. we were talking about Hutchings. But I'm going to go back to this still because yeah. it's amazing. Because Simo on another radio program was quizzed about the defence and how they do the Wiggles web and their design defence. And he goes, "Well, they don't even call it a zone defence because they just they don't think that they even do that." Yeah. Now I've always said that they change their defence up this year into a, like a U shape and they rotate it. Yeah. So. And if they do their role, they didn't do it in the first round. McGovern said they didn't do it in the yeah. They didn't give enough credit and they didn't back each other. But if you watch it and if you go from behind the goals, you probably can see it behind the goals better. They shape in a U. Yeah. And it's, it does fill the holes, but that's the way they run it and they just float that around. Barras needs to work a little bit on his one-on-one skills, but he's actually not bad at it. I think because he needs to work on it, people think he's terrible at where he's ranked like he's not in the top four or five almost for goals leaked as a defender on one-on-ones or one-on-ones lost. And you've got to take an account. Round one, Franklin was on fire and destroyed him, destroyed anyone that went on him. So realistically, that one bad game is really pushed that statistic yep. negative for him. But yeah, he's still not the worst. He's not even close. He's nah. not the top three. Um, but yeah, quickly getting back to Hutchings. Hutchings to me is similar to how he just mentioned Scott. He, he's going to come in and he, he's got a role. Now we'll go into later more where. But he, I've got personally, I've got him in the side next week. We'll speak about that in our revolving door segment. But yet for me, he's in the side next week. That he's one I'm not dropping this week. Right, well, before we get to the revolving door, Brayden Ainsworth, his first hit out, did pretty good. Um, it was good to see straight from the opening bounce, he got the first clearance, got his hands on the ball early, so that was pretty good. He had 15 touches. Um, Archie, again, yeah. it was his first game for us. He had 21 touches, I think. And as the game got longer, Archie got into it more. That's what I loved. His handballs are unbelievable. That's what I loved about Archie's game was the fact at the end 
was when he really came into his own. And I wonder if last year that plays on my mind a bit, the fact we dropped four quarters, a lot of four quarters, sorry. So to see players improve and play their best footy at the end of the game, I'm really liking that stat. Um, Getting back to Ainsworth, eight tackles in his first game. There was only one player on the ground that had more tackles than Ainsworth in his first game. So I really like that. Uh, I think Archie needs to go again. I think 21 disposals in your first game. Played really well towards the end. I found he was very unlucky uh, to be called play on and he shot on goal. Yeah, he moved to kick the ball, but he never crossed the line or came back into play or anything. Yeah. So they usually allow that. You're allowed to take, you know, a step and usually from those times a step past, no, I changed my mind, you know, line up, you know, because a lot of the times the umpire will go and actually set the mark. So if they're setting the mark, that play has obviously already walked off. So if they're going to do that to Ainsworth, he's looking at pass. Well, and every time you've had to set the mark, that play's deliberately gone off the mark, that should be play on. Yep. But that's, we're talking umpiring here and you could talk about that for days and still not. Well, the umpiring will come up in my... I oh, know, not the umpiring. It'll be the judiciary that'll come up in my... Um, uh, what are you, what's our segment called? The uh, Under the under Pump. The pump. Um, so let's get to the revolving door. It's going to be interesting this week. We come up against the Tigers. So you got McGovern, you got Jetta, you got Sheed, and you got Nick Nat. Um, they're the ones that can come in. Shuey's not ready for yet. So who comes out? Is it a Scoey, McGuinness, Ainsworth, Archie, Cole, Hutchings, Nelson? Okay. They're the guys that'll come out because I can't see anyone else being dropped. All right. So so revolving door are we on to? Yeah, we're revolving right. door. Revolving door. Here we go. <laughs> a few of these, three of these are easy for me to do. The fourth one is a bit controversial, I'll get to that. But if those four players are fit, they need to come in because they've got the runs on the board and they play their role. Nick Nat's obviously, yeah, Nick Nat's obviously coming in. For, Not all four will come in. For McGuinness, I reckon then you've got Sheed for Ainsworth if he's ready. Then you've got... Uh, See, this is where it's getting really hard. Who, who we've got to come in? Gu- who, who would you want to be? Why would you want to be selected this week? Well, it's it's easy. The, it's the first. It's it's the last one that's really. It's I'm a cutting gov- me a bit more. So obviously Nick, Nick Nat for McKenna's. Yep, you got Scully out for Gov, even yep. though he did Th- well. That given. needed to happen. Then I reckon Sheed for Ainsworth. Ainsworth is young, but Sheed's a. You know, you've yep. got to pick a play that will improve. You know what you're going to get. And now the last one. This is the one that hurts me. Okay, because I was critical. <coughs> On Cole's earlier games, and I've rightly so. I've, people would say he was defensive, but a lot of his ball was uncontested disposals, so he wasn't playing a defensive role. And I wanted to see his run. Now, even the GWC, there was times times where he quite didn't get the run, but you could see he tried to, and then yeah. he got rid of the ball when he he was locked down. So I filled his his performed, but realistically, Jeddah has to come in for Nelson or Cole. That's the position that that smaller, you, and I think it would. You have can't to be drop Nelson. Nelson. I, well, it, it'll have to be Nelson and Cole, and I think Nelson's chopped up so many more games. I I think I would stick with Cole. Right. I, I but that that as I said, that's the one that's not sitting right for me because on pure form, I don't feel comfortable dropping Nelson. I don't feel comfortable dropping Cole. Um, One of them's going to have to go if you get it to come back in. That's exactly right. One's got to go. And yeah. especially when with Nelson, the things I was hard on him about, 
he looked like he was at least trying to get that game back because he did. There was a couple of times he tucked that ball under his arm, went to run, was an option, then he had a hand pass, but he still did try to take that run on. The reason not... I'm with you on all of them. So Nick Nat for McGuinness, uh, McGovern for Scoey, um, Sheed if he's ready for Ainsworth, unfortunately, and Jetta has to be... Well, I would have said Cole. Cole's probably a more polished player in his disposals and the way he goes about it. But Nelson's just got that mongrel in him. He goes after it. And against a team that's going to be applying a lot of pressure, I think Nelson will hit it head on. Yeah, And I think you'll see that Nelson will... He'll love this sort of thing coming on Sunday against the Tigers. I reckon he'll, he'll have a great game. I gave the tick to Cole because with the games they've played, Cole's got more of the ball more contested possessions, and tackles. He's tackled more. And see, that's what I want with their small running forwards. I want a defender that's going to tackle a lot, and he's got him for tackles. That's the only reason. As I said, like, even Saints is still not... So even you're going Cole, decision, I'm going Nelson. Yeah, but even making this decision now, because I said I've been hard on Nelson, mm. and things I've been hard on, he's improving, his disposal efficiency is improving. But realistically, and people will argue, oh, Jed is not going to come, but Jed is an improvement on both. He really is. He can blow games apart. He hurt his calf and still had 14 disposals, which is more than Nelson had. And Jed, who will add a lot of speed? We need speed out of that back line. Uh, uh, and wouldn't be surprised, I, I, it won't happen, but wouldn't be surprised if the emergency is Francis Watson. I would love that because Franz and Watson has that pace and plays as a small defender, but he's actually not that small. When he plays, he might surprise a few people. So he'll be outmarking a lot of the smaller plays because he's actually a lot taller than people think. And he's quick. Very quick. All right. We don't know what's going to happen until probably tomorrow night at 4.30 when they unleash the team. So let's see who's right. Will it be Cole or will it be Nelson? I'm hoping it's Nelson. But anyway. <laughs> well, let's get to bounce down. Round eight. Eagles versus the Tigers. Round, uh, number one versus number two. Um, the injuries for the Tigers, we've already gone over the Eagles, is Oleg Markov. He's a test, so he won't be playing anyway. Rioli's still out with a foot. Prestier, he's out with a calf still, so he won't play. Hampson could come back, and he might add to their defence. Or do they play him forward more? I think they play him a bit of both, didn't they? They Early do. On. like to swing him around a yep. bit. And Nathan Drummond, he won't play. Um, it's interesting to see that. Richmond have probably had the least injuries over the last two years, so that's probably why they're still going good. Um, it's a contest between the two teams' highest scoring. Richmond averaged 102 points and Eagles are 99 per game. Yeah, so the stats are really... Um Quite even with these sides, but this is going to sound very arrogant. And uh, we're talking about the reigning premiers here, so people want to shut me down for being stupid. They're more than entitled to, but I'm not rating Richmond in this year. And let me finish before the, you know the hate mail comes in. They have only played one top eight side from last year, and that was Adelaide, and they lost. They've only left, I think, had one interstate game outside of Melbourne this year. 
and they lost, and they lost quite significantly. And then you look at it, they, weren't they pushed by, they end up running away with it, but they were pushed by Collingwood, not a top eight side from last year. They were pushed by Carlton, not a top eight side from last year. And they were pushed on the weekend by North, not a top eight side from last year. So they're getting the wins ticking over, but they're not jumping off the page, like a lot of people are saying, like this back-to-back dynasty and this great side. I think they got holes. I think their top calibre of players are so good that makes that team look great. Um, and, yeah, I just... There's already rumours that their Ruckman's not coming over. Um, so let's hope that's true. And nah, Nick, he'll be playing. Well, he hasn't trained at all. Nah, he'll be week. playing. I, I hope he doesn't. Well, if he doesn't, uh, Markov will come in. Yeah. And so he, here's another funny one. Is, but they uh, don't go just on Ruckman. They don't really base a team around a Ruckman. So they sometimes chuck a smaller guy in there so they can have the extra midfielder and they can see the Ruck. Their Ruckman's not the best tap Ruckman, but he's... He's not in the same calibre as Cox. He's nowhere near as good as no. Cox. But he's the type of player that Cox was where he gets a lot of the ball. I think in the Collingwood game, I think he had 30 disposals. So it's basically them missing a link man in the middle, which I'm going to lie. I'm not worried about who goes up in the ruck contest because I think Lysette and Nguyen are doing so well in that department. It's around the ground. I think that's going to hurt their structures more than anything. But a funny one, and I'm going to ask you this question. Um... And this is a, this no. is another one you don't know. Who would you put Rance on? Would you stick to Josh Kennedy for proven form, or do you move him to Darling, the informed comp, the informed forward of the comp? All right. Well, listening to JK on the radio this morning, or no, yesterday, he reckons that Rance always goes to Darling, and he gets Asprey. Yeah. And he said, he goes, every now and then they switch him around. Depends on who's on fire, but he he said um, Rance is more to Darling all the time. So I just have to go with what J.K. says. But him saying that, I remember last time they played at MCG, Rance was on J.K. But he's saying he's expecting Esprit to play on him. That's the funny thing because I'm with you, but the time before, Rance was on J.K. as well because it was a media's dream. And I remember the commentators constantly talking about who got the win, who got the win. And um, I remember not last time, time before, I think... JK kicked three, so said that's a break even. Maybe um, JK's trying and Darling's to up the ground. convince him. I hope he goes to Darling, and I hope Darling makes him run and drags him up the ground a yep. bit more. Before we go on about any more, I'll just give a few more little stats. Um, the Tigers, they are the high, well, the, the number one pressure act team in the comp, and they're the best of defence, only conceding 68 points a game. And West Coast are only a goal behind them, so 74 points, but they're about 14s behind them. Um, you look at Richmond, their final quarters is where they hit it. They're killing it, and they're ranked number one in the final quarters. But the Eagles are ranked number one in the second quarters. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see where the game is won. Um, hopefully he's got a big enough lead in the last quarter. So that basically comes down to fitness, I reckon. So... Maybe that's what Richmond are banking, that they're a bit fitter than their other team. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where the game's won. So the thing is, Richmond have never played at this ground. They get to train on it once. And Eagles probably haven't trained there for a while. They train there this week because of their grass growing. I think we're going to have a bit of an advantage there. Yeah, but they're a funny one because in my mind, they don't travel well, Richmond at all. Um 
it's a bit this is where we say stats can be misleading because they've done well apparently in recent history at Subiaco Oval but that's against a woeful Fremantle a famous 100 point winning last year you know to highlight that but they haven't beaten us here I don't believe in the last two times we've played them um, so and I don't as I said, this is very arrogant of me to say, but I don't actually fear Tigers. They're not a side I look and go, oh, we don't match up well against Tigers. I feel like we play great footy. Last year, if you remember the game at the MCG, we kicked ourselves out of it, and we did it very early. I think we kicked 21 behinds or something, and that first half was our game. Then it rained, and then they got on top of it and had a close win. Um, so, yeah, I'm just... I hold... They don't... As I said, it's very arrogant because I just I hold no fear towards Richmond. Um, there's other teams that we don't match up well against, and it'll be interesting to play them. But I'm very confident them coming over here that this is going to be another win. Yep, and it's going to be our eighth win in a row, I reckon. We've got seven in a row. We haven't done that since 2011, and our record is 12 in a row, which is back in the early 90s. Right. While we're still on Richmond, what do you reckon's been their best win? This year? Oh, I haven't really watched too much of them. Um, oh, I couldn't really tell you. Because they've had no good games. That, that That's getting back. Well, they I, haven't beaten anyone of calibre. They haven't beaten anyone of calibre, but I, sh- I thought they showed character against North Melbourne. Because North Melbourne sort of like how dusty quiet. They worked on some of their strengths. And uh, to see... Richmond come back. I'll put it down to fitness again. Yeah, they overran him in the last quarter. They that was probably the better win for me if I had to say one. Um, like I said, I I don't think they've played anyone of note yet. They haven't played any of the bigger boys yet, and the test will come for them. And and we could probably say that for the Eagles as well a bit in a way. We played Geelong, but we've beaten them. We've won at MCG. We've beaten the Bulldogs. See that this oh, is our biggest test, but this would be our biggest test because of the reigning premiers. But see, I'm on the opposite spectrum. This we we're undefeated away this year. We have not lost an away game this year. Um, we've taken great scalps. You know, four of the premiership favourites coming this year would have been Sydney. Yep. Cats would be another one. Yep. Port would be another one. Yep. GWS would be another one. Yep. We've taken three out of those four. So that, to me, they're scalps. And last year, they are the teams that we didn't beat. That's exactly So right. we're in a good spot, and if you look at the next four weeks, there are even bigger tests to come. Yeah. And if we get over them, we're, we're laughing, and I will be on that bus. Yeah, well, that's it. I think once we beat them, the lid's off. We could still – things could still take a down turn. That's life. Yeah. But as far as I said, the injuries we've had, they've come. I put at the GWS game is six of our best 22 out. I would put Jetter in. I would put Sheed in. I would put Gov in. I'll put Nick Nat in. I'll put Shuey in. And there's one more. I'm having a mental blank. Gov? Did I say Gov? Yeah, you I, said Gov. I did Gov. So it's Jetta, Shuey, She, Nick Nat, Gov. I'm missing someone and it'll kill me because of... Liam Ryan. Liam, that's it. Liam Ryan. Now, so there's six of our best 22. And then you've got the 50-50 ones, like a Petrocelli, Venables. a Venables. Yeah. You know, you've you got those kinds of ones. But let's just leave with six. Can Petrocelli six, come back in? He's fit. Well, yeah, but it'll be another injury kind of thing. I think when there's a position yeah. there for him to come in, I don't think he's... That's where I put him and Venables in the 50-50 category, where they, if opportunity arises, they can get a game. But those other six, they're walking there in our best 22. Well, you know where I put it? Last year, we lost eight games by less than 10 points. Yep. And 
I don't think we're too far from that because we're winning those games that we probably would have lost last yep. year. Um, I think everyone, media-wise and critics-wise, wondered where we we're going to come from because of them losing that many games in the midfield and stuff like that. But I think we're in a good spot. We're winning the games that we need to. And, you know, maybe just people haven't given us enough respect. And some of us fans haven't even... Probably, they've probably downplayed it maybe because we didn't want to lose like we did last year because we thought we were better last year than what we you know ended up being so um look we'll get down there we're going to beat these guys so there's my margin eagles by 24 points that's how confident i am right that's what i had uh, last week and we won by 25 so it was very close you know what i reckon 36 points i'd I'm very interested to see if the Tigers... Are, they don't travel, mate. The game's going to be won in defence. It's whoever's defence gets on top. That's where the game's going to be won. People are sitting there going, oh, who's the midfield's going to beat them? Uh, the, the small forward's going to yeah. do this. Our top forward's going to be... It's going to be won in defence. Whoever gets on top in defence is going to control this game. And see, the reason I got this margin is... And this is why I left Hutchings to later. He's still on my side. He didn't get everyone though. I would put Hutchings... Hard tag on Dusty, and then I'll pick Cochin to go head to head with with a Yo, because Yo can be very attacking, but he does have that little bit of the defensive mind frame as well. I had the sort of same mindset as you, but I had the players switched around. So you tag I had Hutchie on Cochings, yep, and Yoey to run with Yo, um, Dusty Martin. See, the good thing about doing it your way is if they decide Dusty's not in a good game, move him forward. Yoey can can play back. Go back. Yep. All right, guys, uh, we're getting towards the end of the show. We're coming to the Under the Pump segment. Uh, have you got one, Dan? Under the Pump. I do, and to be honest, I was a little bit hesitant to do this one because I'm attacking our own, really. Um, and I, I want to say this without being condescending or rude or aggressive or making like I'm attacking. Us as the West Coast Eagles, we're a family. You know, we're all supporting. Anyone that's on Eagles better than the rest, Eagles Next Generation, Eagles for Life. Apologise if I forgot anyone else, you know. We're a community. We help each other out. A big yell out for Shell, who actually lets us advertise, and Mel, too, on Better Than the Rest. Let's advertise our podcast and our page on there. And whenever they ask, we like to do likewise. Um, we're a bit smaller than them, so that I don't know yeah. how much helps them. Um, and we like... This being a completely Eagles podcast, we try and get it out there. Eagles content. We don't slam or attack anyone. We love to have people to have input. Now, there is a certain pain, and this is where I don't like to do it because I want to be taking shots at, but this has been going on for quite some time, and I believe West Coast Eagles, I'm going to say the name Supporter Group. The unofficial uh, supporter group. It's unofficial. Yep. Uh, great members. You know, I know many people in there, and they're lovely people. I've tried to put the podcast on there, and they won't let me post anything. And I don't understand why you're not allowed to post on that page without it being approved. I don't know why the podcast, which we love to do and enjoy, and you know, is very censored. We don't swear. Anyone that helps out, we, we plug. So if they let us on there, we could say thank you to these people for letting us on, which we often do. I don't know why we're not allowed on there. And it goes further than that. It's not me having a dig because I've even tried to private message admins just to ask, right, am I not allowed to do this? Is there a problem? Have I offended anyone? And no response. Putting this under the pump doesn't make me feel good but it's starting to irk me quite badly now because I said we're all Eagles supporters here 
there's no of this us against them and I just want clarification of what's going on why can we not share Eagles content on an Eagles page um, I can tell you why Dan Oh, I can tell you why well, let's, the let's person that runs that, that page yeah. and I'm not going to mention the lady's name but everyone knows who I'm talking about and I don't care she thinks that their page is good and it is a good page she's scared of anyone else giving her competition and it's not about competition it's about talking about the Eagles and it, it was a directive directly at she's been attacked before from other people on different sites she's got a backup and it was an attack against me personally and then she carried it out and everyone else on all the other pages it was just that are admins I just wish someone would because that's got nothing to do with me and I don't have a great person I wish some they would reply to my private messages which I've sent and I said this is Eagles content for an Eagles page yeah, that, that's all. Is that's all it is, and that's where we promote anything, guys. So if you want a new page promoted, just let us know. We'll we'll give you a shout out on our podcast page. We'll give our podcasts a shout out to anyone. So um, Eagles fans, like Dan said, we're a community. Uh, the more people that hear about the Eagles, the better, you know, because there's there's thousands of us out there. Um, my little under the pump is about the MRO. It was supposed to be a better system. It's not working at the moment. It's not consistent. This week, well, last week, we don't know what a tackle was because Nick got done, but there were some tackles this week that were very similar, but they went 102 kilo Fijian. They were just normal weighted guys, but they got away with it. Um, I don't understand it. Um, and then the flavour of the month is umpires, touching umpires. Um if I was the Geelong Football Club and Hawkins, I'd be angry as because he got a week and three guys have got given, at the moment, fines for exactly the same thing. Now the AFL are, are appealing the um, Kerno brothers. Um, fine, that's cool. They've got to go do that. But let's put it into perspective. Um, if you just touch them on the hand, that should be a fine. But if you're going to use force, because I will use force, because I use it with Nick Nat, if you're going to use force, then you suspend them. If it's good enough for a big Fijian to work out what's force and in an eight of a second, Christian, whatever your name is, Michael, you should be able to work out what is forceful and not. Because the ones I saw, one of them maybe should have got a week, the others should have been let off, and Hawkins should have been let off. And if you want to make it work right, get consistent, and it's the only way it's going to happen. And maybe get a, rid of the $10,000 rule, because everyone's going to appeal every decision, I reckon. Um, coming this year, I loved the way they did it. One person would help with the consistency of it. I like the one person. This guy's this guy's a clown. <laughs> I was going to say he's a clown. He he's even come out. He suspended Nick Nat under the guidelines that he pinned both arms. So to me, I thought, yeah, this would get thrown out. What he suspended him for? What he said? Both arms weren't pinned. Picture shows it wasn't pinned, but he still got done. Um, touching the umpire, don't touch the umpire. It's a rule. I'm happy with the one week just to stamp it out because. Geelong accepted that. They didn't fight that for that exact rule. They're like, let's, because it's got to radiate down the junior levels. You just do not touch an umpire. And it shows that they had to take a hard stance it because the very next week, three players did it. The very next week. So I reckon they all should have got it. 
maze well, they, but maze from maze from gold coast slightly different because he was in dialogue with him and he was showing what he did so yeah. he was replaying the play the other ones have walked up you know get out of my way kind of thing but one Put did hands of trespass push one out did but the other guy just touched his hand he didn't i don't, I don't care don't touch the umpire if well, i think it's that sometimes the umpire's got the road dom sheeds they, touched should, take, the they should take a step back the umpires because yeah. i've heard a lot and it's 100 percent right. they don't need to be as close as if there's a mallard or something. they don't have to be standing they can take a step back and see but yeah it's just don't touch an umpire well so far hawkins is the only one who's been suspended or the others have been fines that's what all i'm asking right. for is consistency yeah. it's either a fine for or touching of umpires like two thousand bucks whatever it is because yeah. she got done earlier on the year but if it's forceful, you you rub him out. I'm surprised you didn't mention the Parker incident. He got in low. Um, he got, um, like I can't understand it. Like he got in low, hit him high. It was intentional. But the thing with me, he went past the ball. Yeah, he went you past know, the ball. When he's hit hit the guy in the head, the ball's past him. He's a name player, see. So it's just well, they're basically South Melbourne, Sydney, aren't they? So that's it. Um, um so I can't believe that he made no contact with the head. And Zebra was very lucky arms. too. He's just big and gets yeah. suspended. Parker went past the ball, elected to bump, hit someone in the head. No case to answer for. That's it's just Zebul did a knee to a head. A clown. I know it wasn't intentional. I know it wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional, but he kneed him in the head. I reckon Zebul did do it intentionally. He's, oh, he's dro- depends he's on what angle. The, he's dropped his knee into his head. He, he should have got a week. That, that Zebul in a nutshell. He, he likes to do little, little yeah. niggly. He should have got a week, but didn't. Yeah. Um, I thought he did. Did it get overturned or they just throw it out? Five is, I can understand. Five, that was, no, five is, that was, that was, that was an, accident. an accident. That was an accident. Um, and he, the way he acted after that incident yep. was brilliant. He's, yep. he, he didn't want to play. He's put his hands up. Um, um, he's held his Concerned. head against someone's knee. Yeah. You know, he's waved the doctors over. Complete accident, and he handled it like a champ as well. Um, Zebel's knee, I think. Uh, you know, I used to do it a bit when I was younger. A little bit of a dirty play, which isn't good. Yeah, <laughs> Zebel's got a bit of that dirtiness to him. He, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. It's been a good show tonight. I hope we haven't gone too long. Um, get down to the Optus Stadium this week. Watch Eagles take apart the Tigers and record our eighth win um, and we'll be back next week when we talk about the Saints because I think that's who we got out next and they're a rabble so we could be looking at um, nine maybe ten on the trot coming up it's going to be a big uh, test for the next month for us but anyway get on to our podcast page on Facebook it's on Instagram it's on Twitter Check us out on iTunes. We're everywhere, so we're not going away. Um, look at our discussion page as well. Check out all the other podcasts because, you know, we're Eagles fans, so you might hear someone that we don't bring up because we can't hear everything. So I, I listen to them all every day. So have a good one. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, good luck to Eagles, and hope to come in after another win. This is Next Generation signing off. Have a good week. Bye.